I want to ask you a question this morning that may seem like an odd question. You ever thought about that? Which Jesus do you follow? And what I mean by that is if, if you were explaining the Jesus that you follow to someone else, what would, what would you say? What would be the explanation? Where would you start? See, there's, there's a truth for people, and would you describe who he is and, and what he's done? You see, there's, there's a truth for people, and that especially those who are followers of Jesus Christ, is that we come to know him to knowledge of, of who he is. You, you see this all over Scripture. You see in, uh, in the Gospel of John in chapter 4, you see a Samaritan woman who comes to know Jesus. And the reason that she begins to follow Jesus is because Jesus tells her everything about her life. And she goes back into the city where she's about him at that point in time. And in John chapter, everything about me. And that seems to be all that she knows about him at that point in time. And in John chapter 9, there's a man who's born blind. And he comes to know Jesus, and everybody in the town starts asking him because he's been healed by Jesus, and he can now see, well, well, who is he, and where is he, and what has he done? And he goes, look, I, I, all I know is I was blind, and now I can see. And so he has a, a very limited view of who Jesus is, and ha-ha, no pun intended on the blind man there. That, Okay, sorry, I'm the only one that caught that. But... Um, so he has to understand more of who Jesus is. And the truth is, the same is for us. If we look at our relationship with Jesus Christ, for those who are Christ followers, we would say that, okay, I came to know Christ at this point in my life, and at that point, this is what I understood about him. But then I would ask you this question. From that point in time, now what? What have you come to know about Christ? What is it that you understand about him? How have you grown in your faith, which is why I say, which, which Jesus do you follow? And the reason this is so important is because if we're not trying to know Jesus more, if we're not trying to understand him more, it's very easy in this world to begin to follow a Jesus that is not a blurry vision of Jesus and we can't see him clearly. And that's where we're starting this new sermon series today called Clearly Jesus. And the reason is, we're going to be looking in the book of 1 John. It's at the end of your Bible, not the Gospel of John, but the book of 1 John. So it's right at the end, near uh, the end of your Bible, if you want to go ahead and turn there. And what's happening at this point in time is there seem to be some people who are walking away from the church. They're leaving the church. They're leaving the fellowship of the believers. And so John takes it upon himself to begin to write to the people for a real simple reason is he has an understanding that if they had a real clear understanding and they really knew who Jesus was, they wouldn't be walking away from their belief or their faith. So obviously they're walking away from an incomplete or a false idea of who Jesus is. So let me just say it this way. Biblical Jesus and cultural Jesus are quite different. Biblical Jesus and cultural Jesus are, are two different people. And, and to understand what I mean by cultural Jesus, all you have to do is turn on the news and listen to somebody talk about Christianity who's not a Christian, right? Because then they begin to describe things that perhaps make you go, I'm not, I'm not sure that you're describing my faith. You're describing my idea of faith. Or sometimes what happens is people begin to talk with you and maybe they ask a question about Jesus or they present some things about faith and you go, I'm, I'm not sure that that's 
what I really believe. And so my question to you would be then as you describe who Jesus is, who is that? What does he look like? Why, why do you believe in such a way that you believe? And without going into uh, a lot of examples, I want to just share a, a statement with you this morning that I think can clearly help us understand what it means to be following Jesus as opposed to following our idea of Jesus. You see, cultural Jesus is invited to be in your life. But biblical Jesus is life. You see the difference? Cultural Jesus says, well, I understand that I'm not a perfect person and and, and I understand that, you know, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to go to heaven one day. And so, therefore, I'm going to ask Jesus to come and be a part of my life. Meaning that I'm still going to be leading my life. I'm still going to follow and do the things that I want to do. But I'm going to invite Jesus to be a part of this. And so we're going to figure out how this all fits and works together. And when that's our approach to Jesus, I promise you, you begin to run into things that you go, I don't know how to resolve this. I don't know how to come to grips with, well, Wait a minute, somebody else says something else about Jesus, but that's not really how I understand him or how I know him. But biblical Jesus says it this way, Jesus is life. As a matter of fact, John in his gospel, John 14, 6, writes, the words of Jesus are, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. And so when we find Jesus, that's, that's when we understand what life is. But cultural Jesus says, okay, Jesus is this concept or this idea, or he's this head of this religion, or he's this teacher, or he's this prophet, and, you know, all that's good, and you should do some of the things that he says, but, you know, our culture is different than their culture, so you don't really have to do everything that Jesus said, or some of the things doesn't make sense. But when you understand biblical Jesus... You understand that at page one, when it says, in the beginning, Jesus was there. And when you get to the end and Jesus has resolved everything and we are with him in glory and creation for those who are followers of him, the whole book is about him. And so at the point in time when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, can we just not all confess that we don't know it all at that point in time? And so what we have a need to do then is to understand more about who Jesus is. And here's what I promise you, that the more that you begin to understand about who Jesus truly is, the better it becomes. But the closer you get to a cultural Jesus, the more confusing it is, the more disheartening it is, you know, the more disappointing it is. And so there's a real difference between the two. And that's actually exactly what's going on at this point in time that John writes the book. People are walking away from the church and the faith. But what John's underlying belief here is, is if you knew the Jesus that I knew, you're not walking away from this. So you're probably walking away from a misconceived idea of who you think Jesus is. So I think it's very important for us to have a clear understanding of who Jesus is. So in the, God, in, in the book of 1 John, starting in chapter 1, verse 1, this is what he writes. What was from the beginning? What we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. What, what's, what does that mean? What is John saying? Basically, John's saying, I'm starting off by telling you that I, 
I'm a disciple of Christ. I walked with him. I was beside him. I touched him. I conversed with him. So let me tell you about him. If, if you're going to get to the source of anything, it is best to have an eyewitness, right? I mean, isn't it funny? Anybody ever like YouTube eyewitness videos? Are those not some of the funniest things that you've ever watched in your life? People who are eyewitness, go look it up because it's pretty funny. Because there's a man, ta- not the fire wasn't funny, but the man's talking about this fire that had happened and he's walking by and he tries, to, he sees a man up there who's yelling that there are some people trapped in this area. So he says he ran into the building and it was all smoky, so he came back out of the building. And so the man started throwing the kids down and the people were catching them. And in the midst of his story, he looks at the camera, he says, and we're catching them unlike Aguilar, which is a wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles who kept dropping balls in the football game. So you have an eyewitness who's telling this story of this fire and how he's helping him, but he throws a pot shot at the receiver. For, I'm like, is that not Philadelphia? That's Philadelphia right there. I don't ever want to be an athlete in Philadelphia. But the eyewitness is what's important. Why were they talking to this man? Because he was there. Because he actually ran into the building. Because he caught the people. Because he did this stuff. So an eyewitness is important. And what John is saying is, look, as you, as you people are struggling with this, let me tell you, I was there. Let me tell you about Jesus. He goes on in verse 2. And he says, that life was revealed. And we've seen it. And we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you so that you may also fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is what John says. Look, if you are struggling with Jesus, if you're walking away from these things, then I would encourage you, get to know the real Jesus. Let me tell you about him. And so he understands at this time, sure, there's people who are walking away, but he knows in his heart and he's writing these things so that people could know the real Jesus, not the cultural Jesus, not their idea of Jesus, but the real Jesus. You see, there's lots of examples in Scripture, probably the most blatant one is in John chapter 6, Jesus feeds 5,000 people. And then the next day, Jesus goes to the other side of the lake and it says that people showed up where he fed the 5,000, couldn't find them, and they went to the other side of the lake. And when they found him, it says that Jesus looked at them and said, the only reason you followed me over here was for bread. It's because I fed you yesterday. And so I would ask you this question, why are you following Jesus? Has your understanding of him grown from that point in time when you know him? Are you following an idea of Jesus or are you following Jesus? Are you trying to fit Jesus in your life or do you understand that Jesus is life? Because there's a difference then in how we're going to live depending on how we understand that. So what happens then when we find Jesus? Why is it so important, Lyndall, if you're up there talking about it, of why, why are all these things necessary for me to know? Isn't it okay for me just to kind of appreciate who Jesus is and, and believe in him and kind of do my best? Well, no, I, I believe that there's more to this life for us when we have a complete and clear understanding of who Jesus is, which will be ever growing in this life. And the closer we get to him and the more we understand, the better it becomes. 
And so we should all strive to want to know him more. So what do we do then when we find Jesus? How do we see him clearly? Well, here's what happens. You see, the first thing is that when I know Jesus, the first thing that happens is I can find joy. When I know Jesus, I can find joy. That's why John writes these words. We're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. What does he mean by that? He means, yeah, I want people to know the real Jesus so that they will have fellowship with me so that we understand that there is more to this life than the ups and the downs and the highs and the lows and the seasons that are difficult and the seasons that are good and all the circumstances and things that happen that tend to beat us down or help us struggle through some things at times that when you find Jesus, you find the real thing. And when you find the real thing, it brings joy that goes beyond your circumstances. So when you find Jesus, you can find joy that's better than anything that you're going to find here. And John says, I want you to know him so that you have this kind of joy. Joy is not a feeling. Joy is not a circumstance. Joy is understanding that I have a relationship with a God who loves me so much that he wanted to set things right that were made wrong. And so he took the initiative to send his son, Jesus Christ, so that those wrongs that I had done could be made right. And when I find him, then I find joy. I find peace. I find hope. And John says, I want this for everyone. So we understand that part of what John is saying here is that when people choose to walk away from this, it breaks his heart. You know, what's our attitude toward people who don't believe? What's our attitude toward people who, who maybe, maybe we know that they were, they were once walking with Jesus or they were maybe here with us, but now they're just not with me. I'm going to write to you about the trust to do. John says it motivates me so much, I want them in fellowship with me. I'm going to write to you about the truth of who Jesus is so that you can truly know him. Because if you know him, you'll be able to find joy. Are you searching for joy? Do you have joy in your life? Do you have something that, that's within you that no, no matter what the circumstance is, you can find something that, that you dig deep down inside that, that lets you know that, hey, there's something bigger than this. There's something better than this. There's something that ultimately is going to lead to good things. And so I don't get so worried as much about the little things that happen, but there's a joy that drives me in life. You see, John had that joy. He wanted everyone else to have that joy. So he says, I'm writing these things that our joy can be complete. What makes John's joy complete is that you would join him in the fellowship, is that others would come to know the Jesus that he knows. That's why it's important to know Jesus, because when I know Jesus, I can find joy. The next thing is, is when I find Jesus, I understand that I'm forgiven, and I can choose God's way. You see, John has a has a good habit in his writing. You can read John's writings and you can find that he's real clear about his purpose for the reason he writes things because he says here that, that in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, my little children, I'm writing to you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. You see, what he's saying is that when I know Jesus, I know that I'm forgiven and then I can choose God's way. Well, why is it so important to know that, that I'm forgiven? What, what does that mean? I will tell you that it seems to me that sometimes in the church world or in Christianity, we, we talk a lot about 
the birth of Jesus. And, and we, we talk about Christmas and we spend a lot of time there. And then we talk a lot about the cross and what Jesus did. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And comparatively, I'm not saying we never talk about it because we obviously do. But comparatively, it seems that we don't talk a lot about the resurrection at times. And I'll just let you know, it's the resurrection that gives the cross its significance and the birth its significance. Because had Jesus not risen again from the grave, then there's really no reason to talk about the other two things. And so what happens here is it's not Jesus' death on the cross that gives us forgiveness of sin and power over death. It's his resurrection from the grave. It's that the fact that he has power over death, he has the demonstrated that he has power over sin and power over death. He has the ability to forgive. He has the ability to reconcile and make things right with us and God. And so John's saying, I'm writing these things to you so that you might not sin. Now, then in the same sentence he says, but if you do, remember that God's not here to condemn you. He's an advocate for you. He's going before the Father to help continually make things right. And so for us, the way that we need to live that out is we've got to understand that God's, God's standard is perfection. God's standard in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth and man covered and he was here and he stepped back and he looked at it all. He said, this is good. So God looked at his creation and all of it. He said, this is, this is good. This is right. This is how it's supposed to be. But then at the moment that mankind chose something different than the will of God and sin entered into the world, it broke everything. But it did not lower God's standard. God's standard remained the same. It's just that we realize that we're never going to meet it. And so what John says is, I'm writing to these things to you because as a follower of Jesus Christ, your heart's desire should be to do things God's way, which is the perfect way, which would be the sinless way. But you need to understand that in this broken world where we don't see Jesus clearly and we don't understand things to his fullness and we don't get to live in his perfection right now, that God doesn't stand at a distance condemning us and hating us because of that. It's the person of Jesus Christ who made reconciliation for that, who stands in front of the Father advocating for us because he's the only one that could do that. So John says, when you know that Jesus, you understand that you're forgiven. Christian and I never sin again. Every day to choose God's way. It's not to stand up and say, I'm now a Christian and I never sin again. And it's not to stand there and say, I'm a Christian, but I, 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 just, I just sin. I'm just a sinner. That's it. No, it's, it's, an, it's a desire of the heart that says, because I know Jesus, I'm doing everything I can in this life to follow him, to, to look to the new life that he offers me, not to try to figure out how to fit it all into this one, but to let this one go and to strive to follow him. But those times when I don't get it right, God's not waiting to smack me on the hand. He's advocating for me. He's cheering me on. He's wanting me to do more. He's wanting me to know him. He's wanting me to find and so John knows anyone who knows that Jesus is not walking away from that Jesus. So I'm writing these things to you so that you can know that Jesus Christ is an advocate for you, the Holy Father, the Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He also writes, 1 John 2, 26, 
I've written these things to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. Well, what does that mean? John says this, I'm writing these things to you because I understand there's people out there that are presenting a Jesus that's different than the Jesus that I know. And the Jesus that I know is the one I walked with, ate with, spent time with, touched, talked with, all these type of things. And so I know that Jesus, and that Jesus is the truth. And if you know that Jesus, you can know the truth. So if you're confused about these other things, I want to write to you so that you can know the truth. And the more that you seek to know Jesus, the more you're going to understand the truth. So let me go back to this idea, right, of cultural Jesus or biblical Jesus. Cultural Jesus is constantly true. If you're in this world to what you, you're constantly trying to resolve the circumstances and the things in this world to what you believe about what God is supposed to be doing and I promise you, you're running into trouble at times trying to do that, right? Because you see some things happening in this world and maybe even in your own life that you go, I, I, don't, I don't know. Or maybe you've, maybe you've heard people say this phrase, I don't understand how God could ever do those type of things. Ever heard anybody say that? Can I just tell you where I land on that? I think in my life it's a good thing for me to say I don't understand how God can do those things because that means that there's faith in him that what his word tells me is that he's constantly at work in the lives of individuals all around this world. There's not a person in a position of authority that he's not aware of. There's not a situation going on in anybody's life that he's not fully involved in. There's not anything happening in this world that God's desire is not that people would come to know him and follow him and do things his way. But I understand it doesn't work out that time, that way all the time. And so because of that, it looks like from a distance that God's not really in control of this thing. But I promise you he is. So if I'm just looking at it from me trying to resolve what in the world's going on and how do I fit this into my view of Jesus, it's never going to fit. But when I look that there is a biblical Jesus, that there is a God who is in control, who created this whole thing, who's desires that it all be reconciled back to himself and set right, then I can know that there is a truth and that truth is not an ideal or an uh, it's not an idea or it's not a theology, it's not a thing. That truth is a person. In John, in his gospel, John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is a person. Which means this, the better I get to know the person, the better I get to understand the truth. You see, there's a lot of things that our culture or even our own heart or our own ideas are going to put in the way of us understanding the fullness of the glory of God because we see it through broken eyes, broken hearts, and broken lives. It's the reality of sinfulness. But the God of Scripture is the truth. And the more that we begin to follow him and see things his way, the more you can begin to see what is false and what is real? What is right? What is wrong? What is true and what is leading me away? And so John's writing these words so that people could know the truth. Hey, there's people who are trying to deceive you. And I'm even going to throw them a bone. The people who are trying to deceive them are probably not just all these evil people who are arguing and on the other side. It's people who aren't trying to know the real Jesus. It's people who are just resolving their idea of Jesus and just presenting a little bitty Jesus to people that doesn't make sense when circumstances change. You see, you understand that, right? 
You probably know people or maybe yourself have struggled with continuing to follow Jesus in a different circumstance than which you met him in. Because, okay, things were good. I was following Jesus and this was good. And then all of a sudden, and you fill in the blank, this happened. And then now what do I do with that? You see, the truth of the matter is, is that God sent his son to walk with us through never going to face anything in this life that God... And so the truth is that when you're walking with Jesus, you're never going to face anything in this life that God hasn't already faced and that he can't walk and see you through. But if your idea of Jesus is I'm going to follow him and then I get to avoid all these things, then the first time you run into something that's difficult, what are you going to do? That doesn't make sense. Well, I guess this God thing doesn't work. So I'm going to walk away from that. But John writes so that you can know the truth. And when you look at the life of the disciples, now I'm just preaching. This is free. I didn't even study this. How about this? When you look at the life of the disciples and you look at how they followed Jesus, one word I would never use to describe it is easy. (laughs) You just look at it and go, wow. Look at the life that they lived and what they did. But what you find in each one of them is joy and you find sincereness and you find them holding on to things even in the midst of it. So this is what John's saying. And man, it must mean that there's something here worth holding on to. And so this is what John's saying. We're not going to walk away from real Jesus. If you really knew the Jesus I knew, you're not walking. The last one I want to point out today is this. John also says that if you know the real Jesus, then I can have me life. Well, I want to look at this verse, 1 John 5, 13. John writes these words, I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know, so that you may know that you have eternal life. That's a bold statement. But what John is saying is that when you know the real Jesus, when you clearly see who Jesus is, when God's word leads you to understand him and that is the person that you are following, then you know that you have eternal life. And I know that sometimes people think, well, okay, that just means that one day that when this life is over, I die, and and it's because of Jesus' sacrifice and my belief in him that I get to go to heaven. Well, yes, that's part of it. But eternal life means life, means today, means right now. There's relevance for eternal life for how I live today and what tomorrow means because some people struggle in following Jesus because they don't see the practicality of it. They don't understand, okay, well, I believe in Jesus, and one day I die and go to heaven, but, man, tomorrow's a rough day, and how am I going to get through it? Well, Jesus came so that you can have eternal life, and that eternal life begins the moment that you start following him, which means the day that I start following him, he changes how I live today. And I experience the joy of knowing him in this life. And when this life is over, it just continues on to the next level. It doesn't start then. It starts now. And so John says, if you know the real Jesus, then you can know that you have eternal life. And part of the reason that you know you have eternal life is because of the things that Jesus is doing for you and in and through you in this life. It's not just about this future thing. And John says, if you know that Jesus, then you don't have to doubt about what is going to happen to you. Where am I going to end up? How is this all going to end? Because you can know, because you know the person of Jesus Christ. And so 
Here's the point of all this. We're, we're beginning this sermon series called Clearly Jesus. And my hope is over the next few weeks as we look through the book of First John and you see kind of why he's writing about, we begin to challenge ourselves to go, do I really know Jesus or do I just have some ideas about Jesus? Know even more of Jesus, but what about him can I know even more of? And so my challenge to each one of us today would just simply be this. What will I do today to know Jesus more? What will I do today to know Jesus more? Perhaps you don't know him at all. And your response today would be, I, I, I want to know about the Jesus you're talking about. Because that's a little bit different maybe than what culture's telling me about Jesus or others. And, and maybe your step of faith today is to say, I want to know Jesus for the first time. And, and you would say, I need to ask him into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and confess that he is Savior, and I can know him for the first time today. Or perhaps you've been walking with him for quite some time, and you'd be honest enough to say that I don't, I don't know that, that I'm really getting to know him more, and maybe you just need to, to light up a fresh desire in you to say, I just really want to make sure that I know the God revealed in Jesus Christ in the Bible. And so that, that would motivate you, because I promise you, I'll say it one more time, the more you get to know that Jesus, then the better it is.